Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, science fans. One thing we don't get to talk about enough on this show is environmental concerns, ecology, resources, that sort of thing. I wish we we had more on, on this topic on the show. Fortunately, I found a new podcast that I believe you guys will enjoy called Waterline. Waterline podcast is everything related to water, uh, how to make sustainable irrigation, can water bring peace, how do you uh, keep water clean and safe, and how much money does, does our current water system cost in the U.S.? What changes can we make and how we use water? I just listened to a fantastic episode called Water in Peace, Hydropolitics. It was all about um, the many different conflicts over different regions of water. We've drawn all of these arbitrary lines for our kind of political regions. And one thing that we didn't really factor in when doing that was water sources. So now there's all of these uncomfortable, to say the least, conflicts uh, where all of these areas overlap over water sources. Fantastic episode. The Waterline Podcast is an initiative of Israel New Tech, a part of the Israeli Ministry of Economy and industry so check it out for everything you need to know about the economics political social behavioral technological and environmental aspects of water search for waterline podcast on itunes or in your android podcast app Hey, everybody, thought we'd try something a little bit different this week. While I was in Madison, I was uh, getting the last week uh, last week's guest to Rob Tanner. I, I crashed with a, um, a friend of mine, one of my oldest and dearest friends in the whole wide world. I was in his wedding and everything, Paul Phelps, who went out, made a, made a uh, eye surgeon out of himself. Is that the right way? To, made an eye surgeon out of himself? We'll run with it. Um, I was, uh, I was there, I was visiting and, um, I thought eye surgeon, that's close enough to, uh, scientists. That's a, that's sciencey. There's science involved in eye surgery. I'm pretty sure it's not all witchcraft. So I thought we'd, uh, have a little chat about it. So, uh, I thought I'd mix it up. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please don't forget to send me feedback. Um, Positive, negative, whatever you got. I mean, don't be, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to be mean about it. No, it's all been wonderful feedback so far. Um, keep it coming. Go to the herewearepodcast.com website. Click on the Ask a Scientist link. 
uh, those emails go directly to me. And then whatever uh, questions that you might have about science will hopefully be directed to toward a scientist in a future episode. That's the idea. But you can use it for all-purpose uh, feedback on, on sound, um, anything else like that. Uh, intros too long, um, over-explaining this uh, feedback thing too much. Maybe that gets out of hand sometimes. Whatever. Um, write it out and send it to me and I'll reply. I've replied to every one of them so far to the best of my knowledge unless one or two slipped through the crack. But I think I got back to everybody. Um, I appreciate all of your support and I hope you guys enjoy this episode with my very uh, good dear friend, Paul Phelps. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Here We Are podcast. This is Shane Moss, and I'm here with Paul Phelps, uh, a good old friend of mine, um, old in the sense that we've known each other for a mm-hmm. pretty long time. Right. We're actually roughly the same age. You're slightly mm-hmm. older than me, so I guess I well, I'm 34. Say old, I'd, I'd say that's middle age. Yeah, yeah, that's middle age. But you're older than me, so mm. uh, by a few months. Um, <laughs> that's true. Your birthday yeah. is December. 28th. Ah, I was going to guess 8th. You should have let me guess. Why? I'm terrible with birthdays. I guess yours is like March 17th or something you, like that. You know my birth. Well, you knew my birthday because, um, because, uh, okay, for, first off, th- this is actually relevant to what we're going to talk about. So uh, the reason why I have one of my old friends on is for several reasons. One, um, uh, uh, we he's an eye surgeon, and so he has um, uh, doctory fancy things that we're going to talk about. Are you going blind, Shane? Um, I <laughs> I hope not. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I should have you check my eyes while I'm here in front of all this <laughs> fancy equipment. And and um, and two, you may if you're a fan of mine, you all may already be familiar with my friend Paul Phelps. I I do a joke about my. My uh, my friend, the eye doctor. On, you still do that joke? No, I still. <laughs> it's it's on my um, Comedy Central presents, which oh, yeah, people right. can go to. My I believe it made the cut. I, I think it did. Um, yeah, go to yeah, go I to my so. website. Um, my Comedy Central presents. It's on Amazon Prime right now. I think it's either free to watch or um, or is uh, a few dollars. So go and check that out. And uh, and you can hear me make jokes about uh, about my friend Paul, who I was in his wedding. Uh, what was right. that last year? November 9th. It's written right oh. here on my wedding ring. <laughs> that is a smart move. Um, your lovely wife Ashley. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> well, it's a smart idea. Though. It was a smart idea. Um, stop clicking your pen, damn it! Uh, the, these mics pick up everything. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, so I actually called you on my birthday uh, this last mm-hmm. year. That's why I thought maybe you would uh, remember my birthday. I was mistaken. Um, so my birthday is May 25th. I called Paul ah. on my birthday <laughs> this year 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we should talk about that that phone call. Yeah, actually, we just talked about Ashley. She reminded me that it was your birthday, and about ten minutes later, you called. Uh, like, <laughs> hey, Paul, you forgot my birthday. Is that what you thought I was calling for? Or what? Was no. that? I thought I'd call you on my birthday in case you I wanted just, to wish me. I, did, I didn't think that long. I just picked up the phone and I yeah. was like, "Holy shit, we just talked about you." Um, I I call. Uh, yeah, you were like, "Oh, hey, happy birthday, man!" And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh, mm-hmm. I had a bit of an emergency come up, and thank you for the birthday wish and everything. But I need to know your advice. This is, um, I was hiking on my birthday, and if you've been listening to the podcast, I broke both of my feet um, hiking on my birthday, and as I was going to the hospital, I called Paul because I was like, hey, you're a doctor. I'm going into an emergency room right now. I think I broke both of my heels, which I think I even told you that mm-hmm. on, on the phone. Right, ahead of time. yeah. Um, you had a strong feeling that was the I, case. Yeah, and I was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, I really know my body well. I don't know my limits as far as what I can jump off of, but I know when I break stuff. Oh, you, you know you know what's funny is, is I was thinking um, when I broke both of my feet, I was thinking about your house when mm-hmm. we were kids because I was like, this seems high to jump off of. I was like, well, Paul and I, we used to jump off of stuff higher than this all the time when we were kids. Yeah, but that was like snow banks and yeah, yeah, grass, grass, and and, and, and we had nice and shoes we had on. Nice shoes on, not <laughs> not barefoot running shoes, which are yeah. the dumbest things you can possibly be um, jumping off of. I called Paul. I was like, "Listen, buddy, I need some advice. I'm in a lot of pain right now because I just got done crawling off a mountain." But uh, I was with it. I was like together. Uh, right. You were asking me, you were saying, if I have to go to the ER to get some medicine because I'm in extreme pain, how do I convince them that I'm in extreme pain? And I didn't think of it at the time, but in retrospect, I would have just started screaming. Yeah. Just start yelling, you know, screaming, uh, show somebody your foot and don't shut up. Yeah, That's probably that would have been the move. I did the exact opposite of that. I went in completely composed. I said, um, so I need to see a doctor because I believe I just broke both of my heels. And I was wondering if I could get some pain medication <laughs> soon. And they were and they were like, well, there's this whole process. I'm like, OK, I understand that. And the rooms were full and everything. All our doctors are busy. Well, is there a nurse that can come out and just like have a gander at my <laughs> foot? And uh, I try to use all medical terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, doctors <laughs> say gander quite a bit. Right. Um, that, that's well, a big whereas part of your medical Whereas if you would have, been, tra- if you would have uh, yeah, shouted profanities, you would have been, you know, a doctor yeah, would have been at your something. bedside in no time. Yeah. Bad or security. So, <laughs> <laughs> somebody. So that's that's uh, the advice from me and a professional uh, doctor, um, Paul Phelps, MD. Is that your title? I don't know how the MD things work. Yeah, yeah medical doctor. That's medical my doctor. yeah. I, okay. Um, oh, you're a fellow. Yeah. What's it say on your badge? Uh, fellow in ophthalmology. 
Stallone Ophthalmology. Where where am I right now? We're at the uh, University of Wisconsin Medical Center. Oh, nice. I think it also says that on my badge. So you're uh, you're just here for a year doing. Yeah. What are you doing right now? I'm in 27th grade. <laughs> <laughs> what grade was the worst <laughs> along the way? I'd say the last four internship through residency. This 27th is. A breeze compared to 23rd through 26th. Well, you got paid for 27th grade. That's true. You do. Well, I got paid I got paid for 25th grade, but it's not enough to justify no. what they're putting you through. <laughs> no, well, it's you're getting the experience. You get paid in experience. So someone wants to be uh how'd you get this crazy idea in your head? Because Paul and I we we have a long history uh, together. We both moved to Boston together in um, in 2003, the end of 2003, both to pursue our big dreams. Paul mm-hmm. wanted to be. Did you want to be like an eye surgeon then? I you, you know I always wanted to be a surgeon. I thought that that would be really cool. Actually, I when I was in high school, I shadowed a doctor at Gunderson Clinic, and I saw him doing a mitral valve replacement. He was doing a heart surgery. And while he was doing it, he was talking about the physiology and how the heart pumps blood to the lungs and then, you know, the rest of the body. And I was amazed because while he was talking about that, he was moving his hands so quickly and suturing this um, valve into this guy's heart while he was talking about it. And I was so amazed by that, his technical skill and his hands, um, of course, I'm moving my hands here, but no one can see that. For the listeners, Paul is moving his hands uh, uh, around as right. if he's doing a heart surgery. Right, exactly. So I was amazed by that because it doesn't just take knowledge. It doesn't just take skill. It it takes a combination of a high level of both of those things. And so I thought, wow, that would be awesome to be a surgeon. But I you know, graduated from undergrad at University of Minnesota, and I really wanted to be a surgeon, but I didn't want to do a lot of surgery. You know, a lot of the different types of surgery that were out there, I wasn't that interested in. So when we were in Boston, I was volunteering at Mass Eye or at Mass General Hospital. You were dissecting fruit flies. Right? Yeah, and I was working at MIT doing uh, making transgenic fruit flies. I was putting human genes into fruit flies. Did you ever get a glance at any of those fruit flies' penises? Because they have some amazing um, um, penises. I probably did. I, it doesn't, you know, it, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really. I, I, I can't envision it now sitting here penises. thinking about it. They have like weird hooks, and we talked about it on that. That's true. Yeah. And I remember learning, learning about that. I don't know if Darwin went through that, but there are different types of fruit fly penises that can remove the sperm of the yeah. former mate. So that's pretty unusual talent. But <laughs> but that's so, true of so uh, that fruit flies. But you had to, I remember you had, when you were dissecting flies, you had instruments that you, mm-hmm. you to see the end of the instrument, you had to be like under a microscope to right. see what, what were those. Right, so I was taking plasmids like a, uh, type of DNA and in injecting it into a fruit fly embryo before the embryo develops into a multi-celled organism and becomes a fruit fly. There's only one cell to start with, and if you put if you inject 
these plasmids of DNA into that one cell, it gets taken up into all the cells. And so, yeah, I use a micropipette to inject human DNA into fruit fly embryos. To make super fruit flies. To make super fruit flies. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of real doctory science terms. No, it's, it's pretty cool, actually. Like, you put it, you do those injections into fruit flies with white eyes, and then the embryos, if they take up the DNA, their eye turns red, and they actually look like a mosaic where they have, it looks like a barbershop pole, and it's kind of red and white, and then you cross them and breed the fruit flies different ways. But so... I thought, yeah, I still like working with my hands doing microsurgery. And you know who does the most microsurgery is ophthalmologists. And, you know, I ah. was working with people who did uh, optometry at um, Mass General. I thought this is the story in my mind. What I just mm -hmm. imagined is mm -hmm. that because you have glasses yourself, like admired your optometrist or something early on in life. You're no, like, well, I want to be like him. And it's, I had a neuroscience degree from, um, from University of Minnesota. And so I realized to working with this optometrist that they do, you know, neuroscience is tightly linked to the brain. Actually, I think 60% of your sensation is wrapped up in your visual perception. So I thought that's cool. You know, ophthalmology is related Wait, what, to what that? neuroscience. percent of a... Uh, of your sens sensory, sensory input? Yeah, sensory input is visual. Uh, so... I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, is that why... I suppose that's why when you go blind, you, you get all of these... You have all of this extra mm -hmm. energy for all of these heightened other... Uh, senses right that's true you know when when you lose your vision you that part of your brain that um, senses vision actually can part of it can be overtaken by your music ability and they've done studies where they damage you know monkey eyes and they see that the hearing part takes over part of the brain that used to be used for vision just wear a blindfold for for a couple weeks well, if if you're a baby and you have amblyopia, that's what happens to them. You know, they're under the age of 12 or so. If you wore a blindfold for a few weeks, that part of your brain would never develop. What? Yeah. What's uh what's the word that you said? Amblyopia. What what is that? It's basically a problem with development of the brain related to no sensory input from the eye. Ah. So so wait what so what do you if if like there's I uh, there's an accident or something like that and and what time frame are you talking about the development? Well, so I mean it can happen for a few reasons. One reason is um, there's a refractive error. So between the two eyes, one eye say has a has distance vision, the other has near vision, and if there's a big difference between the two, only one of the eyes will really be seeing well and the other eye doesn't. And you wouldn't notice that by just looking at a baby or, you know, a child. It can you develop just think a, it's just some stupid baby. They call babies. You like, would yeah. you know, the baby might eventually develop strabismus, so one eye might uh be wandering and mm -hmm. then if you don't catch it early enough, actually the it will never see well. It doesn't matter what you do later on to try to fix it after a certain age. Um. That, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of up your alley, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's way up my alley. I didn't know any of that. That's um, 
Not yeah, amblyopia is pretty common. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and it, I, I think you're the one that told me that lazy eyes aren't actually lazy. They're like overactive, aren't they? I don't think so. No, so that is a form of lazy eye. Okay. So lazy eye can, lazy eye is basically an eye that isn't functioning well, and it can be because it has amblyopia. It can be, it's just sort of, you know, it's trabismic, so the eye muscles aren't aligning well, and then it can drift off. Um, there are a few different reasons for lazy eye, but basically layman's lazy eye is amblyopia. And that's just, okay. Yeah. So it, I thought it was, uh, I thought you told me once about there's like something with a, sometimes there's like an overactive muscle or something, and if you cut it, mm-hmm. if you cut this muscle, it will stop pulling on the eye. Like the eye will straighten out, something about that. I don't know. Well, there are a lot of different things that can happen with, eye muscle surgery or overactive muscles. You can get um, blepharospasm where the eyelid muscles spasm and contract really strongly. It happens in people who are like really anxious. You can do Botox around the eyelids and and uh, functionally open them up. By- so, um, <laughs> so I walked in here and Paul showed me his lab and then, and then next thing you know, Paul put me right to work. Uh, we were looking at, um, slide the first one. So I walk in and then Paul makes me sad right off the bat. He's like, here's a, here's a dead baby's eye. Here's Mm -hmm. a baby. This baby was shaken, um, Mm -hmm. and died from that. And then I got to see its eye and like why it's like, there's, there's blood where there shouldn't be some Mm -hmm. hemorrhaging. Right. And then you gave me, uh, you ended on a good note. We, We examined together and I, what did I? I think uh, I I got down to the bottom. I, I cracked the you case. Cr- yeah, you cracked we, the case. We were looking for cancer in um in someone's eyeball. What what right. kind of cancer were we looking for? I mean, I know all this. But yeah, for yeah. They thought the patient had a sebaceous cell carcinoma of the eyelid. I took a look. Looked fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I was like those cells. It, I think it'd be great <laughs> if I got to go in uh, to the patient and be like. You know that eye cancer you were worried about? I took a look. Everything looked normal. I saw a little bit of inflammation. There are some more purple dots than there would normally be in all the eye. But yeah, a few purple dots. That's not that's not cancer. That's just a little inflammation. Probably you just need some antibiotic is what I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that would reassure them. <laughs> I think I could put. I, I think if I put on your white coat, people would be like, "Wow, that is a great doctor." Yeah, maybe I. Um, <laughs> possibly. What's the What's the number thing that you have in your um in your deck? Is oh, that, the near vision card. I see it. Sure. Um. So. You just you just rock an eye vision um, chart around with you just in case. <laughs> so what am I doing with this? Is this if you put this in something, or am I just looking at it right now? Yeah, you can just to, look at it from there. Where? How far away is it supposed to be? Uh, six feet. Well, it depends oh, if you're. Okay. T- you can you. you can test me, near or far vision with okay. this. Test, let's I usually use it for near vision. Okay. Um. So. so so yeah. this far away, I'm looking. I can see this right here. I can see three, five, six, nine, two. I can see. I can't see that very well. That's a five, two, six. What am I at? 
What am I looking at? Uh, how, that looks like 2040 vision. Is that good? Um, well, that's that passable. Great. I mean, that's all you need to drive a car without glasses. You're telling me I can just drive a car? That's about <laughs> it. I thought I, I, I always thought I had 2020 vision. I want you can't a, read I want the bottom line. Opinion. I mean, uh, it, the bottom line is bullsh- 2020. I like that other doctor that goes around telling people I don't have cancer, Doctor Moss. He's got way better news for people. Um, wait, what? What one am I supposed to see from this length right the, here? Yeah, the bottom line. This one? Yeah. What? Oh no, dude! Those are dots. <laughs> I can't see those. Well, if you bring it close. Uh, if I bring it close, now I got it. Two, five, six, five, three. It, I, I hope. Are the listeners finding out that I'm blind right now? <laughs> Oh, this is terrible. Man. Well, you have good accommodation, so once you turn 40, you probably won't be able to read those without reading glasses. I have good accommodation? What's that mean? That means when you bring it up close, your lens um, basically contracts so that you can see closer. Oh, okay. Wait, what do you got? What are you rocking in your eyeballs? Uh, my prescription? Yeah. It's a minus two in both eyes. What's so that mean? That means I'm nearsighted. Mm-hmm. So instead of me needing to wear reading glasses when I turn 40, I'll just keep wearing these until I turn like 50 or 60 and then I'll, you know, I'll start pull them on, pulling them off and then I'll need bifocals. Uh, um, and, uh, so, so you, you've done a lot of LASIK on people, right? Not LASIK. No. Oh, I thought cataract you- surgery. Okay. So LASIK is just a refractive surgery to, you know, do laser surgery on the cornea to help improve. You know how to do LASIK? Mm, yeah, I don't think it takes a whole lot of skill, but I haven't ever actually. <laughs> oh, <laughs> snap, take that, LASIK doctors. <laughs> well, I mean, you just do some calculations and push a button on a computer. What I do is cataract surgery. So yesterday I did a cataract surgery, a patient who was, had count fingers vision. So literally couldn't read even the huge number on this and count fingers vision that means you can't count fingers from like that means you can that's that's all you so so vision goes from 2020 to like 2800 and if you can't read 2800 then you start showing people fingers you know at 10 feet five feet you know one foot if they can't see fingers then you check their vision for hand motion vision and if they can't so see hand motion, he's beyond twenty eight hundred. Right. So legal blindness is twenty two hundred. So he is legally blind. Wow. So I did his cataract surgery yesterday. You, are are like blind people with black, uh, like total blackout vision? Are they like, well, that's not blind. This this asshole's calling himself <laughs> blind. He can he can count fingers. I get people that come in who are twenty thirty and say, I'm blind. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people's perception of how good their vision is is pretty crazy. I've got people coming in with twenty one hundred vision, real close to near blindness, saying, "Oh yeah, I can drive. I drove here this morning." Oh yeah, I just, got done, <laughs> I, just I was thinking to myself how amazing my vision was, and then I I just tested myself. Turns out Doctor Moss gave me a, a twenty forty. Even know. Um. So so people. Yeah. So people are are driving around with twenty one hundred vision, saying they can see just fine, and they yeah. can't read it. Oh, and then so, when I so what's happening when with that vision? 
Are they able to read like speed limit signs? Do you think? You got twenty one hundred. Well, yeah, if they're close enough. Okay. So twenty one hundred means that for something that um, you could see from a hundred feet away, they would have to be within twenty feet to see it. So you might see a speed uh, limit sign from a hundred feet away, but they have to be pretty close to see it. I forgot that's how the eye thing works. So. So what I can see from 20 feet away, other people can see from 40 feet away because of my garbage eyes that I just <laughs> found out about. I got half eyes. Pretty oh, much. man. Um, so, so you can operate on my cataracts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another cool thing about being an ophthalmologist. You can actually say, you know, to somebody when they ask you, you go to get your coffee in, in the afternoon and they're like, what did you... What, what have you been doing today? And you can say, well, you know, cure and blindness. <laughs> well, I just had someone couldn't see a thing. And then, uh, you know, a couple hours went by and I just waved my magic wand. Yeah. And then they walked Now, Now they're driving without glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, but you and yourself, um, you aren't, you haven't done, um, you you aren't going the LASIK route. Uh, do, you, do you think that... Um, doesn't maybe instill a lot of confidence in your, like, are, are people ever like, why does my eye surgeon wear glasses? Is he, does he not have enough faith in eye surgery to get eye surgery done? Well, I think most of the people that go to get LASIK go to the guy, you know, the handful of people in this region who do all of it, you know? So I'm not seeing many people who are, like, interested in LASIK. As if they're interested in LASIK, I mean, they just don't show up at my door. Usually the patients that I'm seeing are, you know, in their mid-60s. They're like, my vision keeps getting worse. And, you know, you're not going to do LASIK surgery on somebody who right. has a cataract because if you think about it, um, think about like a fish tank and say doing LASIK surgery is like buffing off the, the wall of the fish tank. A cataract is like filling up the fish tank with a bunch of milk, you know, Buffing off the window yeah. isn't going to help. That's doing LASIK. Doing the cataract I wish more is people would it. use fish tank analogies. <laughs> <laughs> it's handy. Well, cataract means uh, flowing water. So ah. cataract, if you think about a waterfall, that's a cataract. So I, I still think if I was blind and then I could see again, and it's like, it's a miracle. Who fixed me? And then point me toward a guy wearing glasses i'm like this half blind bastard <laughs> fixed me up i guess i'd still be thankful well <laughs> <laughs> that's a I, weird I, question i acknowledge well the, one thing that i see a lot is people say like oh your vi you know your vision isn't that good because you're wearing glasses well my corrected vision that's what we always talk in in ophthalmology is the corrected vision so with glasses on i can see 2015 in both eyes you know or without my glasses on if I hold it at the right distance I can see 2015 so my corrected vision is very good but you know without correction it's not as good and you know I'm not gonna start wearing contact lenses so that the LASIK customers will come to me <laughs> especially since I don't perform LASIK <laughs> I mean it's all eye stuff well one interesting thing about LASIK and I, I'm not really against it but i would tell you that the way that the beams of light 
come into your eye. It's uh, you, you have what's called a prolate cornea. So the cornea isn't perfectly spherical. You think a lens is spherical. Mm-hmm. So it's, it forms a sphere, and part of it is what use, is used to focus light on the retina. Actually, it's prolate. So it's kind of got a cone towards the end of it. It's a prolate cornea. Well, the way they do LASIK, and the reason for that is because a prolate cornea can actually match all the beams of light from several different directions um, and make it converge on the retina in one point. Whereas if you don't, if you have a spherical um, cornea or if you have an oblate cornea, which is what happens after LASIK, then the cornea isn't a cone anymore. It's it's more flat. Mm. It's flat. So those beams of light that meet on your retina are never going to be at the same spot as they would. They wouldn't, they're not going to match up perfectly on your retina anymore. So it's not that you what? can't have perfect vision. Like, do they tell people that? I feel like I've never heard that. That is a big disclaimer for... Yeah. Well, it's just... I think a, I'm just going to yeah. stick with my 2040 mm-hmm. vision. The thing for people who are very myopic and dependent on glasses, you know, if you're very nearsighted and you wake up in the morning and you're totally useless without glasses or you wear contact lenses all the time and sleep in them um, or have poor care, then you're probably better off getting LASIK in those cases. But, you know, honestly, it's not... Of all the things that I do in ophthalmology... LASIK probably and talking about LASIK. LASIK is zero percent <laughs> like, of what I, I do. Like, I keep making you talk about LASIK, <laughs> even though this is zero percent of what you do. I'm I've seen it. Close. I've seen it like a handful of times, yeah. but the, and I've seen a lot of patients who've had it. Um, but the num, you know, the amount of conversations I've had with patients talking about LASIK, LASIK is just doubled. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so so you're curing blindness right now. You got someone totally blind that coming in. Does anyone does any one of these blind people do they ever um uh have any hallucinations at all? I read about sometimes when people lose their vision they start hallucinating. Yeah, that's true. There's a phenomenon called Charles Bonnet mm-hmm. syndrome. But where you know, they can see a little Lilliput Lilliput I don't know how to pronounce it. Actually I do. It's Lilliput Lilliputian? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I think it's I like little guys. Word. Yeah. Little guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lilliputian. Yeah. yeah. They think that maybe that's where, like, the idea of elves and stuff may have may have originally the, came. Or, or like, dwarves. Who, who knows? Yeah. If that's, like, what. But Yeah. So, or they can just see, like, little dots or circles or something like that. Um, yeah. That's, that happens in people with severe glaucoma or macular degeneration. Um, usually they know it's like a false hallucination. You know, they they don't think it actually is real. They know that their vision's poor and they're seeing something that doesn't exist. And sometimes they're afraid to tell their doctor about it because because there's know, a stigma in this country that's like you're not <laughs> supposed. I mean, right. it, it's weird because other cultures, it's like people are trying to hallucinate. They're like taking you know mm-hmm. ayahuasca or you know some weird like in Peru trying to hallucinate and like this is the Mm -hmm. spiritual thing you know a lot of cultures have found Mm -hmm. um, hallucinogenic drugs and um, I know I've done my my fair share which we may or may not be able to talk about on this podcast Um, but um, (laughs) 
but there's a stigma in this country that if you hallucinate, you're a crazy person. So mm-hmm. I suppose you see. So, so I've seen patients who, yeah, not. I've seen patients who have that. There's also another phenomenon where called Anton syndrome, where if you have blindness because of cortical blindness, so brain blindness, you think you can see, and they'll read the chart. They'll like make up a bunch of numbers, but they can't see anything, and they believe that they can see, and they're just totally <laughs> in denial about it. That's amazing. That is pretty interesting. I saw a patient with that too. What's the name of it? Anton syndrome. It's A N T O N. That's really interesting. So they're just convinced that they can see. They're right. just like falling all over the place and yeah. walking into walls and stuff. And right. they're just convinced that oops, yeah, just a little misstep. I got break HIPAA for one second and tell you about a patient named Wally. So um, I had this. Yeah. Well, can you change his? You just no. changed his name, right? Yeah, I changed his name, but it was so rewarding. This guy, uh, mental retardation in his 50s, so potentially a little demented, started running into the walls because he had no vision. And I did his cataract surgery, and he hadn't seen probably in years. And they had said at the home that he was living in that he kept running into the walls. He's very difficult to take care of and help. And we had to do his cataract surgery under general anesthesia, which we don't normally do. But since he, you know, couldn't comply with doing the surgery that well, right? I removed his cataract. Seeing the look on his face the next day, he was just so amazed and dumbfounded. He was like, "What is going on <laughs> right now?" And he stood up and walked out on his own. And he came in with somebody holding his arm, like dragging him in. That's the only way I'd ever yeah, seen him yeah. before was coming in with somebody on his arm, like helping him find where the chair was and all that stuff. And then, he, you know, Wally uh, wasn't running into the walls anymore. Yeah, I often, pretty cool. I often think about that because I've done plenty of like psychedelic mushrooms and stuff and everything seems like so profound and everything when you do them and you like hallucinate a thing or you're making certain connections or like water looks really cool or something like that. But... But that's just because it's different than what you're see. Like mm-hmm. regular reality can be mm-hmm. just as profound mm-hmm. if you're not used to being able to uh, see it, and you mm-hmm. must see that like awestruck, um, mm-hmm. um, sort of so, amazement, amazement, yeah, quite a bit. A- well, because you also went to um, India, right? To what did you do there again? So. I spent one year in India doing a Fulbright scholarship at Arvind Eye Hospital, which is supposedly the world's largest eye hospital. They see 2,000 patients a day, and they treat two-thirds of the patients for free. And I spent a year there doing eye research on corneal stem cells. Um, That was awesome. It was cool to see them go and screen these patients. Like The eye hospital was actually proactive. They would go out into the community and find people who couldn't see, would bring them back to the hospital. They're, they're just like, a, hey, you seen anyone around here just like bumping into <laughs> stuff a lot? Like getting the, hit in the head when you throw a ball at them? It was amazing. They had it set up like an assembly line where they had all these women who they called sisters um, 
screening the patients. So like one person would check everybody's vision. One person would check everybody's eye pressure. One person would check the pupils and so mm. on. And they would like go on, go along this sort of assembly line and then ultimately see the doctor with like the full note already done and basically a diagnosis made and they'd figure out, does this person need to come with us if, you know, if they're willing, obviously, to come and have their cataract removed. And I saw the cataract surgeons there do like, you know, a hundred surgeries in a day. A hundred in a day. How yeah. many about how many hours are what what's a full day for them? Eight hours? It's like eight hours? or nine hours. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. So there's there aren't they just like sitting there on like a swivel chair, essentially? Well, yeah, so they'll bring in a patient who has a who needs and, a and right first eye. First off, uh, people can people can read all about a bunch of uh, personal stories on on paulowenphelps.com. You documented and took kept like a, a blog about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I have a um, blog about that experience and advice for anybody who wants to do a Fulbright in India. That was an awesome experience. Yeah, I might, I might just go do a Fulbright in India. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> you should. I, I you got should. nothing going on. I, I got to tell you, when I turned in the application, I spent so much time and effort getting that together. When I turned it in, I got a real scare because I was like, oh, my God, I might actually have to go to India. It's scary. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't know anything about it. You know, right. they eat with their hand. You have to take a shower with like a bucket. You know, it's really. No toilet paper, right? Or no, they put the toilet paper in like a bin, right? Or something well, like that. What's the toilet So that was like the situation? one Western amenity I had, fortunately. But, but most yeah, people don't. Yeah, most right? places they just use a bucket and clean their butt with their bucket. You just splash a little splash dirty it. water up your beehole. Right. Wow. That's again. Sorry for all the medical terms I'm throwing. Uh, sorry for all the jargon. The jargon. I, I might be losing a few, few people. A beehole's a butthole, everybody. For for all those that I I just lost. So this guy is. Uh, you go to India and they're just cranking these things out. This guy's like mm-hmm. sitting in a swivel chair, right? So what's the scene? Well, yeah. So he'll bring in like a patient who needs a right eye surgery, followed by somebody with the left eye. And he'll just turn from one side to another and just move the operating microscope from one patient to another. And in between, he'll just wash his gloves. And amazingly, they have a low infection rate. They do the surgery real quick, and it doesn't cost much. They make their own lenses there. Uh, intraocular lens here costs like $150. They make them for $2 a piece. And Wait, what was the prices again? What what are cost here? Intraocular lens here can cost like $150. And that's you're getting them in bulk, these suckers. Right. right? You go to yeah. Sam's Club. Yeah, ask right. where can I find Well, that? if you buy a pair of glasses for one lens, it could cost you $150. So this right. one goes in your eye. It's, you know, sterile. Very sophisticated. It's and I mean, it's really a piece of plastic. It's not that some of them are more sophisticated than others. Some of them can help you see distance and near without glasses. When are we going to get the robot eyes? There are some telescopic lenses now. What? They're implanting them here at UW. Well, how's that work? So there's actually a telescopic lens inside the implant. I think it costs like $20,000 for one of these implants, but it's for a patient with macular degeneration. It's not for like, oh, we'll take a normal patient. I just want a super duper. Yeah, I just want to see like an eagle. No, it's for for patients with macular degeneration who- Which is? It's- 
basically um, a disease of the retina that affects the photoreceptors, the all layers of the retina really in the center of the vision. So mainly it affects the center of your vision, but the side vision is fine. So, so you got a big black blob in, right in, in the your middle. point of, in your point of view, and then right. you see it. it seeing all of the outside i read a little bit about this i believe yeah it's one of the more common eye problems so you you know you got cataract glaucoma um and macular degeneration are probably like the biggest three diabetic retinopathy so they're sticking in so what's this mm-hmm. thing like autofocus or something like that i don't know you know i actually don't know all the details of it but basically it's like a big magnifying glass it's called a telescopic lens though i think there might be like two lenses within the um, lens so it kind of like uh so it adjusts in some way i don't know or, if you can i don't know if they adjust or if they may have there may be i'd just be speculating i don't get it okay but well, I'll, I'll ask well the, you know I'll if you the, if you have a telescope if you have like a telescope at home yeah you know that doesn't necessarily adjust to focus oh, right, right you know it's always at the same focal focal point so it can't actually adjust. What adjusts is your distance from it. So this is you'd put in like your like a reading one or something. So like you that. put one in so that hopefully you could read. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so you'd have to move it back and forth until you found the right spot. Yeah, I want like a computer in there. <laughs> I don't think we're that far off from that. I don't think yeah. we're. I don't. Th- I think we're like twenty years away. Pop. I'm like, I can have a Terminator vision. I can have Mm -hmm. you put in a Terminator eyeball and and then Mm -hmm. I can look at you and it'll say, it'll say your name. They'll Mm -hmm. say, and then you can be like facial. I was talking to someone with facial recognition stuff. It'll Mm -hmm. say like what mood you're in. It'll give all sorts of status. Mm -hmm. I won't have to remember people's uh, names and families and birthdays anymore. (laughs) It'll say... But uh, Paul felt it'll say like what your profession is at the moment because it's right. always changing and I can never remember. What about Google Glass? Say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Inside That's your what eye. I'm saying. That's Google what I'm Glass. saying. I think we're 20 years, 20 years away from that tops. Better get the I, patent on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll patent that sucker. You slap them in for me. We're, we're a team. All right. Sounds like a business. Uh, um, uh, wait, what's the name of our business? Um <clears throat> Um, so, something pop. Your initials are P O P. Something pop. I, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna brainstorm this. <laughs> yeah, session. I had, we have to this think is, about that. I might have to edit this one in <laughs> later. I mean, this is we really shouldn't disclose this super secret business plan um, too much. Anyway, I tend to get a little bit off track once in a while, Paul. Um, so yeah, don't worry. So in India, you're mostly these these people were like people in poverty right because this is mm-hmm. what i want when i apply for my fellowship to go over there mm-hmm. this is they're like how are you going to contribute you going to do eye surgeries what are you going to do and i'm going to be like well i'm just going to go out in the community i'm going to like throw tennis balls at people's heads <laughs> and if they don't <laughs> duck i'll I'm gonna drag them in there for you <laughs> <laughs> it's a great screen yeah like useful yeah, screening like, tool yeah, this person i mean that's if the person doesn't know if a ball's being flung at their head that's gonna they're gonna need <laughs> to get that fixed you're gonna need or you could or stuff. you could do that to figure out who's a functional patient and functional blindness functional blindness means you're faking so 
<laughs> ah, wait. So does that happen? I mean, I mean, I've never brought a tennis ball in and thrown it at somebody. You no, just... no. Have you ever seen someone that was faking blindness? Well, yeah. You, you said you see someone mm-hmm. exaggerating. Right. You, see you got right. someone coming in like me. You know, I was like 20, 40, 20, 60, and they're like, I can't see anything. I need yeah. people carrying me around. Yeah, that's what the 28 line or the 2010 line is for. You just start at like the 28 line, and you're like, oh, you can't see that? Well, yeah, that's pretty small. And then like change the glasses prescription a little bit and then bring them up to 2010, and you're, they're like, oh, you still can't see. Oh, man, this might be a real problem. And then you bring them up to 2015, and they're like starting to think, oh, probably see some of these yeah then you get them to like 20 30 or 20 25 or something and they're like oh yeah i can read those and blah 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 and you're like well you're fine see you later <laughs> uh, what? so so this happens once in a while? yeah yeah it happens usually Lots we can <laughs> what are they after what's the end game they're just yeah. trying to they're just lonely they just need someone to I don't know. With handsome doctors like these, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they just want to spend some time with their their uh, their handsome doctors. Are these men or women coming in (laughs) faking this? I I don't know. Actually, I've seen just a handful of people. And well, I was going to ask you because um, you know we talked about uh, what do I do to get some pain pills? You go Mm -hmm. in the emergency room screaming, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. So so then um, is this this is going to lead to um, people just walking in emergency rooms, <laughs> screaming their face off. You must have seen a lot of that in your in medical school because mm-hmm. you did just um, general mm-hmm. practice. What so? What was mm-hmm. the process like? I remember you went um, to um, like Philadelphia. It's too right? long. To, a long. T- oh, Philadelphia was yeah. medical school. Yeah. So yeah. So, so and the and then you went there and then what was. Because then you went to Chicago. There was I'm, I can't Internship. even keep track of like yeah. all of your general practice. Yeah, you were in what was it, Cook County? No. Yeah. Oh, Cook it was County. Cook County? Yeah. Uh, the famous Cook County. Famous. And yeah. and so you had at Cook County, you learned a thing or two about lying patients, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people coming in wanting like, that's uh, hilarious. They after just whatever. Whatever yeah. you give them, morphine, well, oxy. Uh, they have to be pretty determined if they actually got to see us because there is a whole line of people in front of us With that would, you know, that would make, stuff. well, that would, you know, they'd be waiting for a long time. They'd really have to be persistent. I feel like it's not that hard to probably get the things, those type of narcotics or whatever they, the you know, street. on the street or something. I, yeah, I, I just know. got some from a friend recently. Sweet. <laughs> I was just done with them. Yeah. My foot was real sore. I just had a flame up. Well, do you want to hear, like, the progression for if somebody has eye pain and they can't see? So it's a difference if they can see or they can't see, obviously. But if they can't see, basically give them some eye drops. If that doesn't work, we do an injection behind the eye and numb the eye. So with ethanol, just inject like pure alcohol behind the eye that kills everything that's in the orbit. And if that doesn't work, then we just take out the eye. I mean, it doesn't go to like narcotics. I don't give people narcotics. I just say, okay, well, I can take out your eye. Uh, Someone's (laughs) like, you know what? I'm feeling a lot better. (laughs) It's happened. (laughs) It's happened. (laughs) You should start with that. (laughs) Oh, it looks, oh, yeah. 
Uh, I probably, uh, you know, those people with the 2040 faking, be like, oh, yeah, well, this is serious. We're actually going to need to take out both of your eyeballs. <laughs> you know what, Doug? Be honest with you. Just seeing you makes me feel so much better already. Just you saying that. Is it the air in here? I'm already. Uh, it, all yeah. of a sudden, they're reading off the chart from. 20 feet away or whatever I couldn't read. Yeah. I'm actually concerned about my vision now. I'm a little in my head right now. I'm like, God damn it. We can check your vision afterwards. All right. We'll check out my vision. Um, uh, so, um, uh, okay. Uh, a couple, we have about 10 minutes. I have a few things that I want to cover. One, what, what's more, what's more fulfilling? Um, well, I suppose this is hard to say because you say, you got some mentally handicapped person comes in, mm -hmm. he's bumping into walls and then can't believe it. That mm -hmm. to me is amazing because I'm sure you have some, I mean, and, and then you're in, you're mm -hmm. in India and mm -hmm. you're dealing with these people right. in dire straits already. Right. Make matter. You're already living on the streets. Now you can't see. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a fucking horrible right. life. You got someone, some dumb American coming through whipping <laughs> tennis balls. <laughs> at your head. Yeah. And, uh, um, but but then right. because I'm uh, you're practicing in the U.S. and I'm sure you have some patients that are just like pains in the ass is mm -hmm. coming in. They can mm -hmm. see just fine, and they're right. just whining about nothing. So um, like going forward with because I know mm -hmm. the, uh, the future of what you mm -hmm. uh, want to. Can you talk a little bit about what um, what your hope is uh, mm -hmm. going forward with the um, with the the uh, uh, I, I don't know what, what do you call so I'm it? gonna do like oculoplast surgery yeah. basically so right now I'm doing a fellowship in ocular oncology and um, ophthalmic I don't pathology. need to define that for you guys you, <laughs> you know what that is oncology cancer of the eye and then um, op ophthalmic pathology is just looking at eyes under microscopes like we were doing earlier mm -hmm. and then next the next two years are my 28th and 29th grade and I'm not, I know 30th grade, then I'm full-fledged, totally done. I'm going to be doing a fellowship in oculoplastic and reconstructive surgery in Albany, New York. And when I'm done with that, I'll be doing lots of surgery around the eye, lids and orbit, um, removing cancers, reconstruction, people who have trauma. Like, say somebody punches you in the face and your eye gets black and it... it Shrivels sort of back into your eye socket. We'll do. I'll do like orbital wall fracture repairs, remove tumors within the orbit, um, do reconstruction of the eyelids. If you have, you know, cancer on your eyelid, I'll remove that. I could look at it under a microscope too, since I'm doing this pathology fellowship and like diagnose what, it, like what we just did. Right, I, I, diagnose I it as to. cancer or not, and then I could do the surgery afterwards and put your eyelid back together, make you a whole new Shane. <laughs> right right uh, back to where you used to be <laughs> um I, yeah because this isn't just like uh because you could with what you're doing you could like uh get the wrinkles out of mm -hmm. uh middle-aged rich women's right. trophy wives right you, you could do that as well but you're you're hoping to do something a bit more I'm uh, sure when the kids need meaningful. to go to college, I'll probably do some of the wrinkle stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a few wrinkles out of there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's part of the training. It's not just functional surgery. I'd like to be, you know, the go-to person for doing reconstructive surgery, and that keeps you in the game for being really good at cosmetic surgery as well if you want to do that. Um, It's hard to pay the bills just fixing people who got jacked in the face. Poor people, yeah. Right. You know, I feel bad for all my doctors who aren't making any sweet skrill off me <laughs> with my dumb Medicaid or whatever the hell I yeah. I have. I'm just a I'm just a broke comedian who just jumps off of things, and then uh, and then this doctor who's just like this amazing foot surgeon <laughs> just had to like do it because he felt bad for me mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you got to get some rich people in there to throw you some money to take a few. I'm sure Obamacare money. gave your doctor plenty of cash. Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're, they're going to get theirs. Um, so if you were, when you were in, um, when, when you were in, because we were teenagers getting in trouble together, I'm cautious. I don't know what I, I don't know what uh, I'm allowed to say. Mm-hmm. Um, on the podcast, I don't know who's listening right now, so we're gonna keep it pretty tame. Um, you can write Paul on Facebook, and he'll tell you all sorts of uh, crazy stories of of uh, crap we used to do. But when you were in, um, uh, when you were in like eighth grade, uh, and angsty, and um, and uh, when, when we were both pissed at our parents because they had too strict of a curfew for our liking, mm-hmm. and um, and like school sucks, and I just want to go out and run around with my friends. If someone would have said, "Well, you have twenty more grades to go," <laughs> would, would this still have been an ambition of yours? Did you did you like realize at the time what you're going to have to go through? I don't think I. Knew all the steps. I don't have any physicians in my family. I didn't really know what it took to get get where I wanted to be. When I was even younger than eighth grade, when I was, I think, around eight years old, I wanted to be a surgeon. So it was, I and I realized along the way, you really have to try to enjoy the journey because I always thought, you know, there are so many people that, you know, what for whatever reason, their life ends early or whatever, something happens, their dreams don't get realized. You really just have to enjoy the moment, what you're doing all the time, which is real hard, let me tell you, during your internship. Yeah. But you really have to try to enjoy it. So well, because what, a lot of times you reach your dreams. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Right. Because both of our dreams have basically mm-hmm. come true. Right. I became a, a moderately successful. I'm mm-hmm. more successful than I kind of imagined in many regards. Right. And you've had every, pretty right. much everything, every fellowship you've applied for, for the right. most part. Right. All, oh, you're, and then, and then you get all these things. And then that at the end of the day, it's still like in a given day, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that sucked. That was a lot of, you know, yeah. I, I'm flying around. That's a pain in the ass. I get a cold because I'm around. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that you don't factor in when you're thinking about. Right. It's not as glamorous once you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the. I think I'm pretty lucky this field that I'm in now is, I mean, it's just awesome. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have imagined that it would be as good as what it is now that I'm here. 
but I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not done yet, but a lot of the people who are doing the same thing as me, who are the attendings on staff here, I mean, we have it unbelievably good, you mm-hmm. know, basically spending all day like seeing patients. Yeah, some of them are whiny or whatever. They're complaining about something that barely exists. But then, you know, you are actually are doing something. A lot of people are going from blind. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're like hugging you. They're, you're, they're like saying all these nice things about you. You're like, yeah, yeah, I got, you know, I got to see somebody else. I got like 10 patients, but you know, I appreciate that I cured your blindness and I, I would it's keep nice. up with these people. <laughs> if I, if I were in your position, I would like, I would really get to know them and be because if it's like a judge or something like that, or you know, like uh, somewhere down the road, they'll yeah, come yeah. in handy. Hey, remember when you couldn't see, and then I made it so you could see again? How about cut me a deal on a new car or something like yeah. that? They own a car dealer. Yeah, well, I think there are lots of prominent physicians in Chicago that you know, do that very thing, get that kind of deal. I mean, I actually worked with somebody in Chicago, an oculoplastic surgeon, who told me he got this car from a patient who couldn't really pay him so he gave him a mercedes what yeah seriously that's awesome i sometimes am like that with my jokes people are like i want to pay the 15 dollars for the admission and i was too lazy to do the coupon thing or just ask you for free tickets so Mm -hmm. here's a car i get a lot i get a lot of free cars from my but my jokes i mean they really do change people's lives i see i see people come in they just have this limited perspective on mm-hmm. life and then they sit through an mm-hmm. hour of my dick jokes and they're mm-hmm. like i can see now Shane. <laughs> i see the world in this new light they're hugging me that okay none of this has ever happened um well i think it is something that's pretty cool that you basically your job is to try and make people laugh i mean my job is to make people see yours is to make people laugh that's pretty cool yeah and you get paid to do it i do you know? Yeah. It's not like working on Wall Street where you really get paid to screw people over. Yeah, you're just you're <laughs> just fucking over the earth. <laughs> or, and you just got to I'm sure there're plenty. Yourself. No, I should take that back. I'm sure there are plenty of really nice stockbrokers out there. I'm sure they are <laughs> and I'm sure those these good demeaning people also fuck a lot of people over with <laughs> without even knowing it. Right. Um yeah. uh, because that's the culture and it's unstoppable. Which my my recent guest Dan Ariely we talked all about. So, um, but uh, let's before we before we get out of here because we have to go and eat dinner and then I'm gonna go and crash at your uh, place tonight. Um, thank you for that. I get to see your new home. This is yeah, this no is problem. one of the I haven't seen it yet. I'll I'll report back. Um, I'll I'll see. Uh, I'm going to go take a look at your home and and then I'm going to add it in and be like, you know what, it is okay, but I wouldn't bother with all that medical school listeners. <laughs> um, but this is this is one of the uh one of the advantages of of uh pursuing an education. You get to go to India, you get to cure blindness, you get a beautiful wife and uh and what what's your house like? You like it? You enjoying it? Well, it's so like a yeah. It's it's not bad. Two bedroom, two bathroom. We're it's the, just a year. Yeah, we're the first ones to live in it, so it's ours to pretty make solid. What well, we want. I'll, I'll inspect it. So no bed bugs. No bed um, bugs. All right, sweet. Uh, and what's the uh, the charity of the week is the American Red Cross. Go to a legendary. Um, well, nice thing uh, about it is that if you don't have any money, you can donate your blood. 
Yeah, that's a, a that's I like when there's something like that, like an animal shelter where you can just go and like volunteer if you don't feel like right money. You can right. go, you can donate blood. It's free. You get to maybe you'll um, meet um, meet a cute girl or male or female there when you're donating blood. That's a great. I, now that I'm thinking of it, what a great way to meet somebody. Right. It's like you look like a saint. Right. And you're like, I don't have any diseases. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have it. Oh, my God. This is genius. Go donate blood. Pick up a male or female because you're you're getting another person who is disease-free and a good enough person to be thoughtful enough. See, this is what I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to show people how being charitable can be in your own self-interest um, sometimes, right. and and uh, and you can pat yourself on the back. I'm sure they give you a little sticker you can put on your fridge or something. Then you have company come over. You'd be like, oh, I don't know if you noticed this on my fridge, but I'm a real good person. I'm all for that. Yeah. So, m- most people are like bragging about the car that they have and that sort of thing. Why not brag about the good that you're doing? Mm-hmm. in life instead um so uh go check out the american red cross perhaps you've heard of it before they're pretty legit um and uh yeah go and check out paul com. is there anything else that we should cover before um before i don't know i i was uh i you know what? I'm gonna edit that part out because I think I think we nailed it. I was gonna talk to you about like um, about painkillers and how addictive they can be, and I mm-hmm. wanted to talk to you about um, because you had some mm-hmm. funny stories mm-hmm. with uh, with patients. Oh yeah. Um, try, if you want, sure. it, it, why not? Just to, we can we can end up with a fun story because you've told me some amazing stories of uh, mm-hmm. like Cook County having patients oh, yeah. coming in. And wanting like painkillers and yeah. stuff real bad and faking. Things. Well, I can tell you a couple quick stories. So, yeah. um, one, so I told you that you know one of the things that we do a lot is repairing eyelids. So if you're just a general plastic surgeon, a lot of times you don't want to uh, repair eyelids because it's different than the tissue that you normally work with. You you know, so we do the eyelids. A patient comes into a trauma bay. Guy had a stab wound, like seven stab wounds. I bring him back. I'm like, he has, his eyelid is completely lacerated all the way now, through. Seven, seven stab wounds. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. a lot of stab One of them was in the back. He got stabbed in the kidney, he told me. Uh. And so I asked him, like I asked everybody, so what, I didn't say what brings you in. I said, so, so how did this happen to you? Because uh, I knew, what, you know, I knew he'd been stabbed. And he said, well, Doc. Love's crazy. Uh, ha, ha. This is what love <laughs> looks like. I'm like, it is way crazier in your house. Than uh, my house. <laughs> that's well, amazing. I'm like, how about we sew up this lid? So. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to a book um, right now, uh, uh, audio book called The Murderer Next Door, uh, mm-hmm. evolutionary psychologist David Buss, who's going to be on in an episode or two, which mm-hmm. is all about mm-hmm. m- basically murdering mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. over love. Um, that's uh, that's an awesome story. You have another one? So, yeah, one of the things that we do so often, it's like the most boring part of my job, is the refraction. So 
Refraction is when we're checking for glasses. And, oh, my God, I've had so many annoying responses. And any eye doctor knows how annoying this can be. So, you know, you ask, you throw up two different options. One or two. One or two. Or the same. They can mm-hmm. be the same. But the options are one, two, or the same. <laughs> I have heard so many different responses to that question. One, two, or the same it's blurry. Nope, it's blurry. I'm like, that's not an option. Blurry's not an option. No, don't ah. read it. Don't read it. Don't, don't read the letters. Okay, if they're the same, that's fine. Oh my god, that's the most <laughs> frustrating thing. I. Where do I you want to eat tonight? Uh, it's blurry. <laughs> no, you got two, three <laughs> options at most. Okay, so I gotta tell you the person that. Um, this, I had a one patient who, wow, frustrated me more than anybody at the until that point. So I was a first-year resident, and you know how we do the test where we throw up a couple fingers and put them in different fields of vision to say, like, oh, how many fingers do you see up here? Here's, you know, two fingers, one finger, three fingers. The lady kept saying six, and I'm like, lady, <laughs> I want you to sit here and think about the concept of one to five. Uh, <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> I'm holding one hand up. How many fingers am I holding up? I, you Eighteen know, of them. She. The crazy thing is, I asked her. I'm like, "Do you have double vision?" No. I. I'm like, no. Oh <laughs> so there, you know, things like that. Kind of crazy. Okay. People, I have. Yeah, I could tell you a million stories from Cook County. Uh, but, uh, maybe, we don't have time. Maybe, we should maybe do, later. We'll, we'll do another one sometime. Uh, we'll we'll do another one that's all crazy stories. Now I tease that at the end, and now people are like, "Well, why'd you just make me listen to all that when you had all these crazy stories?" Because I think uh, the background is interesting, and I think we learned a lot, motherfucker, uh, who's arguing with me right now in my head. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, uh, the rest of you enjoyed hearing Paul Phelps. Thank you so much for being my friend. Having me in your wedding, I, I, which I was only invited because I got sober um, about a year before the wedding. And they're like, okay, I guess uh, that, that won't be an issue. We would have um, still invited you. What are you maybe talking just, about? Maybe just not then. <laughs> Actually, in one of the groomsmen. It, it, or, or there would have been some severe limits on. It would have been like, hey, keep an eye on this guy because he has some tendencies. Um, just jokes, Paul. All right. Um, Paul Phelps, everybody. This is the Here We Are podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please share this with all of your friends. Go on iTunes and Stitcher and rate it for me. Write a review. Do all that good stuff and help me out next week on the episode. Uh, Really cool. Uh, Remember the episode um, with Deborah Bame. She did the stuff about the uh, effects of immigration on Mexican families. Well, she referred me to um, to a couple, actually. This is the first couple that I recorded. Um, even I released one earlier. It got bumped up before Christmas because of consumer stuff. Besides the point, not really even worth mentioning. Um, but I did anyway. Let's, uh, let's move forward. But um, I, I was in Ann Arbor, and I met with Jason DeLeon and Abigail Bigham, a lovely couple, uh, who Jason is an archaeologist, um, who actually goes and um, does archaeology work 
in like modern environments, um, like, like around border crossing and stuff. It's, it's really, really interesting. Um, a lot to get into uh, and, and cover in a, in a short preview, but um, really, really cool stuff. And Abby, um, we talked a lot about, uh, she studied uh, the genomes of, of people who live up in the Alps and um, their genes have actually changed so that they can live easier in higher altitudes. Uh, really fascinating stuff. Super cool couple. Make sure and tune in next week. Uh, next week's episode is a really, really, really strong one. Um, and I hope you guys are digging this. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Peace out. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello. I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. (laughs) That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, Mm -hmm. and he, uh, one of the reasons... It's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. He's Like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> 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 That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich, I don't know what you want from me. And uh, my, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. People. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> 